your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. This day, a great day in the sense that you will remember it. Uh, the uh, dramatic testimony just concluded, just in time for our show, and thank you very much for arranging it that way, uh, Chairman Benny Thompson of Mississippi and Vice Chairman Liz Cheney of the great state of Wyoming. Uh, the uh, hearing that just concluded all had one witness. It was illustrated together with tape of other witnesses and other background material from January 6th. And this one, utterly riveting because it focused so specifically on the events of January 6th and the way that President Trump, in a very personal way, uh, helped to orchestrate things and reacted to some of the difficulties that people encountered. We will play you some highlights and lowlights of the hearings today. Uh, let me just say that uh, a lot of people, uh, particularly on the Republican side, uh, though by no means all Republicans anymore, this is one of those things where the iceberg is moving, if not melting. The, uh, the the basic attitude that there's nothing here and this is just a partisan witch hunt and that uh, this is an attempt to try to save Liz Cheney's career. She's facing a very tough primary that most people agree she will probably lose. The point is she's going to win a place in history. And the place in history, it seems to me, will be honorable. Why? Because there's an acknowledgement here, and, and people who watch these hearings and pay attention to them can no longer suggest that the people who are in the wrong are the people who are trying to investigate what went on in the Trump White House. They made a point at the beginning of the hearings today that it was loyal Republicans who were giving this key testimony, people who were very loyal helpers to President Trump and people very close to him who were giving him good advice which could have changed the entire course of history because I do think anyone who watches this, um, let's see, they it was about almost two hours worth of hearings, but uh, closer to an hour and a half perhaps. But uh, anyone who watched the whole thing, I think, would have a very tough time uh, seriously considering President Trump as a candidate for president again. And uh, I say that as directly as I know how because it's, it's very, very obvious. Part of what was revealed here today was that cabinet members, and not squishes, not people who are rhinos, not pe people in the Trump cabinet who were loyalists for his entire time in office, People like Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of Education, were talking about the need to use the 25th Amendment, basically to suggest that the president was too emotionally disturbed to conduct uh, the affairs of the nation safely. And this is one of the things that um, I, there were only two weeks to go before the inauguration. And the the, the dramatic aspect of the testimony here, and we'll play it for you in a moment, was that uh, uh, President 
Trump actually got into a physical struggle with a Secret Service agent uh, trying to take control of the wheel of the car that he was riding in, the beast. That's what they call it, this armored vehicle the president travels in, because the president did want to go up to the Capitol building with all the protesters, and even though he had been informed that they were already battling the police, President Trump still wanted to be there. What would have happened there? President Trump also had been informed that some of the people planning to attend his speech had, um, had been displaying weapons, including AR-15s. And uh, some of them were very heavily armed, wearing body armor and weapons. And uh, President Trump wanted them against all White House policy and against all existing policy to be welcomed uh, into his crowd because he was concerned, according to the testimony, he was deeply concerned about how the crowd didn't look like it was large enough. And then when you actually see some of the video that was taken at that day, it's true. The crowd that was right there on the ellipse listening to him talk, this is right before the riot and the attack on the Capitol building, that... Um, the crowd did not look like one of those giant Trump crowds that people had seen on the campaign trail. So he was concerned of how that looked, so he wanted them to eliminate the magnetometers, the mags as they're referred to, and let people in with their weapons. And he said repeatedly, and this was part of the testimony today, uh, I'm not worried about the weapons. They're not here to hurt me. But that's a recognition that they're there to hurt somebody. And it's obvious if people are wearing body armor, and again, some of the knowledge of uh, some of the Trump personnel, some of the people who are in his war room, knowledge involving people like Roger Stone and uh, the uh, retired General Flynn, uh, all of whom took the Fifth Amendment when they have been asked about any of this, they had knowledge of Oath Keepers, Oath Keepers who have been implicated. Some of them have already gone to jail. Some of them have already been convicted. The Oath Keepers had been uh, there serving as bodyguards, part of the personal entourage for Roger Stone. Now, what all of this indicates is without any reasonable doubt that uh, there was anticipation of violence and serious violence uh, several days, at least several days ahead of January 6th. And in fact, Rudy Giuliani apparently boasted about it to Cassidy Hutchinson. Now, who is Cassidy Hutchinson? She was the star of the hearings today. She's 25 years old. She's a, a recent graduate of the Christopher Newport University in Virginia. She is a, a deep died Republican. She was an intern for Steve Scalise, the, uh, the second-ranking uh, Republican in the House of Representatives, second to Kevin McCarthy. Uh, she was also an intern for Ted Cruz. And uh, she is a clear conservative and still describes herself that way. And uh, here is um, basically one of the revelations she made where her position in the White House is she was chief aide to Mark Meadows, who was the White House chief of staff. 
and she portrays him as being uh, very removed, very uh, separate and indifferent to what's going on, and, and generally to be sitting there on his phone while all these events are uh, transpiring. But the White House counsel, who has not testified, but uh, appears to have been giving Trump very good advice during all this. His name is Pat Cipollone. He helped President Trump beat his first impeachment. And uh, Pat Cipollone had a message that he conveyed to Cassidy Hutchinson, this young 25-year-old uh, assistant to Mark Meadows, to the chief of staff, whose own office was right there in the hallway near the Oval and uh, near the office of the chief of staff. She was told by the White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, something uh, that's very important on that morning of January 6th. What was she told? We will get to that and more. Uh, if you have a reaction to the testimony this morning or to the whole situation with what is going on with the committee, you can give us a call, 1-800-955-1776. Is the United States losing its status as a beacon of liberty? Uh, there's a writer for The Hill who says yes. We will get to that and more on The Medved Show. Of debate. You're trying to stir up some controversy. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, there is breaking news that will have uh, an impact on America's future, on your future, on my future, on the future of the whole world. And it is very good news. A very good news. There, there's no way to see it as anything other than good news. And no, it has nothing to do with Biden and his sinking approval ratings and the likelihood of a Republican sweep coming up in uh, 2022 and just a couple of months from now. This has to do with the balance of power in the whole world. A uh, Turkey or Turkia, they don't want to be called Turkey anymore. So since they're doing something great here, and hurrah for Turkia, I'll call them anything they want, as long as they do the right thing. So Turkia, which a lot of people know as the nation of Turkey, uh, the Republic of Turkia has agreed to allow Sweden and Finland to join NATO to join the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which they've applied to do, and everybody else favors them. Turkey had been holding off. They probably got some kind of concession. This ends a dispute that slowed an expansion of the alliance. Jens Stoltenberg, the stalwart Norwegian, who is the Secretary General of NATO, said, I am pleased to announce that we now have an agreement that paves the way for Finland and Sweden, two of the best countries in the world, to join NATO. Uh, that's what uh, was said at a news conference in Madrid just moments ago. And uh, it's extraordinarily important because Sweden comes with a formidable navy. 
in terms of competition for control of the Arctic, which uh, very much involves Russia and China. And, uh, of course, uh, Finland and Sweden and Norway and uh, Canada very particularly. If we are going to prevail in the current world struggle, and we will, it will be not only because of the greatness of the United States, but because of our allies. And when you look at the nations that are aligned with the United States, uh, they really are the best countries in the world. And they are the ones you want to have aligned with you. And you look at the other nations that uh, at least are trying to uh, temper their resistance to Russian imperialism, where there was a, a devastating uh, a piece by Yafim Tamirov in uh, the Wall Street Journal about the imperial designs of Vladimir Putin. And this is a telling, telling anecdote that apparently had many, many witnesses. He was speaking to a room of school children uh, who were learning about geography. And uh, he was watching them answer questions, and somebody had asked a, a nine-year-old a question, saying, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, east of Russia, far east of Russia, approaching the Pacific Ocean, uh, where is the border uh, between uh, Russia and the United, the United States? And he said, well, there's a Bering Sea. And uh, Putin corrected the kid, and he said, no, Russia has no borders. And that uh, belief is a menace to the whole world, made a little bit less menacing with the G7 uh, now resolving to get more equipment and more personnel and more aid to, uh, to Ukraine right away and also the the need to station more troops for ready response in some of the Baltic states Estonia Latvia Lithuania and elsewhere in Eastern Europe but all this going on while we're having this uh, problem here in the United States of America of finally finally getting to the truth about uh, what actually happened on January 6th of 2021. Okay, I mentioned you're hearing this testimony from Cassidy Hutchinson, and uh, she is giving her very direct experience uh, being told by Pat Cipollone, the White House counsel, Trump's attorney in the White House, uh, about what she should expect on the morning of January 6th. Here's what he told her, well, clip four. Cipollone said something to the, said something to the effect of, please make sure we don't go up to the Capitol, Cassidy. Keep in touch with me. We're going to get charged with every crime imaginable if we make that movement happen. And do you remember which crimes Mr. Cipollone was concerned with? In the days leading up to the 6th, we had conversations about potentially obstructing justice or defaulting the electoral count. Okay, uh, what they're talking about here is the White House counsel uh, 
now telling the uh, aide to the White House chief of staff, be careful. We know the president wants to actually go up in person into the Capitol building. And he's saying, don't be sure not to take us up there because we'll be committing crimes. And why is that relevant? Well, because if the White House counsel, if the president's lawyer is telling one of the president's other aides in the White House that we would be committing crimes, then it's very tough to say uh, that the president did not have intent to commit crimes that he's being warned about by a really crack attorney who helped him beat impeachment the first time. The uh, Cassidy Hutchinson also talks about um, this this debate about they, they had them in the hearings today and, and they showed it very clearly. There were snipers in trees and this is not Secret Service snipers. They, they were snipers from Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, from some of the radical groups that were there to support President Trump. And you could see them and they had reports and they played some of the uh, the audio reports being transmitted back to the responsible headquarters of the district police and the Capitol Police, talking about all the extremely well-armed uh, demonstrators who were there to support the president, and uh, some with uh, very visible AR-15s, so seriously armed. And uh, what happened is well we will we will get to that um because uh this is is something astonishing was uh that the president had been informed as as which is appropriate that yeah there were a lot of people who were not able to go onto the ellipse to get close to him because they were heavily armed and one of the reasons we have a Secret Service and one of the reasons you have magnetometers at a presidential speech, I, I've been to presidential speeches for several presidents and they have to take tremendous care. President Trump didn't want that. Why not? Uh, that was revealed today. We will get to that and more on The Medved Show, 1-800-955-1776. You can't handle The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved Show. I'm just shocked. Let my people in. That was the plea of President Donald Trump on the morning of uh, January 6th, where he was very concerned because it didn't look like there was a large enough crowd uh, that had assembled to hear him speak uh, before all of the riots began at the Capitol building. Uh, remember, he gave a speech which has now been analyzed every moment of it where he talked about promising to march up to the Capitol building with the uh, rioters, but we will get to that. This is um, uh, what happened with uh, Mark Meadows' aide. Mark Meadows was the White House Chief of Staff. His aide was named Cassidy Hutchinson. And... Uh, she was there hearing President Trump and his top aide, Mark Meadows, pleading with the Secret Service to let my people in. In other words, taking away the magnetometers, taking away the mags 
because what they were doing was anyone who was carrying a weapon, and that was literally thousands of people, was not being allowed into the ellipse. Here is how that came down. This is uh, clip one. He wanted it full, and he was angry that we weren't letting people through the mags with weapons. What the Secret Service deemed as weapons and our, our weapons. But when we were in the offstage announced tent, I was part of a conversation. I was in the I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, "You know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the effing mags away." Just to be clear, Ms. Hutchinson, is it your understanding that the president wanted? to take the mags away and said that the armed individuals were not there to hurt him. That's a fair assessment. Okay, this is why it's so important that Trump eventually answers some questions about this. Who did he think they were there to hurt? When he says they're not here to hurt me, don't worry. Um, he's right about that. I'm sure they weren't there to hurt him. But they were there to hurt somebody. And the idea that he is going to urge people to march up to the Capitol where the vice president is located for that day, where they are actually counting the electoral votes, formalizing the results of the election. He wants people who could not pass a magnetometer, namely they were carrying too many weapons, to march up to the Capitol. What do you think is going to happen? The uh, Cassidy Hutchinson also talked about um, a conversation she had with the deputy White House chief of staff, whose name was Tony Ornato. And uh, Tony Ornato, well, he said this. This is clip two. I recall Tony and I having a conversation with Mark probably around 10 a.m., 10, 15 a.m., where I remember Tony mentioning knives, guns in the form of pistols and rifles, um, bear spray, body armor, spears, and flagpoles. Spears were one item, flagpoles were one item, but then Tony had relayed to me something to the effect of, and these effing people are fastening spears onto the ends of flagpoles. These effing people are fastening spears onto the end of the flagpoles. Those spears did real damage to police officers who were trying to do their duty, police officers who were hopelessly outnumbered. And this despite the fact her, she began her testimony by talking about something that Rudy Giuliani had said to her very excitedly, saying, be sure to be there on January 16th because it's going to be so exciting, it's going to be so great. And saying on, uh, and this is days before, that yes, we're, we're going up there, the president's going up there. And of course, she was working for the White House chief of staff. She didn't know that. But Rudy Giuliani did because he was part of that war room group, which included Steve Bannon, by the way. And uh, this was the uh, group of people who had their own plans for what was supposed to happen. What did they think would happen? What would President Trump say if he actually had gone up there?
And uh, he wanted to go to the Capitol so badly that after they loaded him into the Beast, which is the car that's supposed to transport the president in safety, uh, and he heard that the Secret Service had overruled him and was taking him back to the White House and was not going to take him up to the Capitol where they were already rioting and there was already danger, he got so angry that he... Well, literally tried to take matters into his own hands. This is clip three. Listen. Once the president had gotten into the vehicle with Bobby, he thought that they were going up to the Capitol. And when Bobby had relayed to him, we're not. We don't have the assets to do it. It's not secure. We're going back to the West Wing. The president had very strong, very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted the story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. In, in other words, he had basically grabbed him by the neck. Um, in different situations, this is undoubtedly a lawsuit. <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, if the president of the United States uh, trying to countermand his own protective detail, his own secret service detail, is reaching up to try to choke you and expressing his disagreement that way. Um, it's so extraordinary. And uh, I think illustrates that, and I hope people will think about this, because Part of what makes a, a decent or great president is temperament. And uh, there, there are no exceptions. The, uh, the American presidents who have been very successful, the world leaders who have been very successful, are able to control themselves. Now, there's a, another story about how the president reacted uh, when uh, he heard that uh, his then Attorney General, Bill Barr, had informed the press that there was no basis at all for claims of election fraud, had basically given the summary of what the Justice Department had checked out, which is that there may have been some minor instances of fraud, but nothing even vaguely close enough to alter the outcome in any state and that's something that has been repeated in testimony. But what has not been repeated is the very um, private White House response that was witnessed by members of the White House staff. In fact, they had to clean up afterward. And what was that response? We will get to that and more, including more information on the chant of Hang Mike Pence. Uh, where is Mike Pence during all of this? He's trying to do his job and also trying to stay alive from the rampaging rioters.
uh, while all this is uh, going on. We will be right back with more about the sensational testimony this morning by Cassidy Hutchinson to the House Select Committee on what happened on January 6th. We will be right back on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. That is plain and simply outrageous. Kudos for having the best show on radio. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, I was just thinking over the break of uh, some of the stories about the Secret Service and the president and uh, times when uh, Secret Service agents, even though they work for the president and their whole job is to keep the president safe, they uh, countermand what the president demands. And one of those stories involves uh, one of the Secret Service agents who was with uh, President Reagan after he was shot a few weeks after he became president. He was shot in uh, March of uh, 1981. And what happened is he thought it was a minor bullet wound. And uh, he was bleeding profusely, but uh, he insisted that they go back to the White House to receive medical attention. That was President Reagan's order to a Secret Service detail. And they had a siren going and they had their police escorts, and they're racing to go back to the White House because that's what President Reagan had said. And then the uh, one of the Secret Service people with him said, no, Mr. President, you're not going to the White House. You're going to the hospital. He said, no, 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 I'll be okay. I'd rather be at home and be cared for. They said, no, you're going to the hospital. That Secret Service agent saved President Reagan's life because he needed that hospital attention immediately. Sometimes, especially at a time of medical emergency, you're not the best judge of your own situation. But that is so wildly different from what happened here. And by the way, another Secret Service agent had taken a bullet from John Hinckley, who's out now, of course, and pontificating on everything, even though his concert was canceled. But uh, the point is, it's so different from what was described with President Trump, where he lost his temper. He lunged at uh, Secret Service agent Bobby Engel and uh, tried to grab the wheel. And then when other agents came in and pulled the president's hand off the wheel, he grabbed him by the neck. This is incredible. And uh, uh, this is uh, goes on. Cassidy Hutchinson today, who was right around, went to work every day right around Donald Trump, talked about another occasion where President Trump lost his temper. And again, when when you control the nuclear football, when you can start a nuclear war, uh, getting control of your temper is kind of important. (laughs) The whole world depends on it, frankly. And... um, Here's what happened. Trump had been sitting down for lunch when he was brought news that Bill Barr, his attorney general, who's also testified before this committee at some length, and they've played a great deal of that testimony on video, that Bill Barr, the attorney general of the United States, had told the Associated Press there was no election fraud. 
that the Justice Department had looked at the whole thing. There was no election fraud. There was nothing to worry about. There was no there there. And uh, here's uh, the reaction by the leader of the free world, uh, that told by a former aide to Mark Meadows, Cassidy Hutchinson, this morning. Uh, Jeremy, go ahead. I remember Pat saying something to the effect of, Mark, we need to do something more. They're literally calling for the vice president to be effing hung. And Mark had responded something to the effect of, you heard him, Pat. He thinks Mike deserves it. He doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. Knowing what I had heard briefly in the dining room, coupled with Pat discussing the hang Mike Pence chance in the lobby of our office, and then Mark's response, I understood there to be the rioters in the Capitol. Um, that's uh, actually a, a different moment of testimony, but uh, it's the the same idea. This confirms something that we've heard before. That uh, that again, there's several witnesses now to uh, President Trump saying that he may have heard the uh, uh, the chance of uh, uh, hearing the chance of hang Mike Pence, and then him saying that uh, he thought it was deserved. And uh, do uh, uh, Jeremy, do we have those other clips that? No. Okay. Uh, there's another story which is shocking and, and, and horrible, which we will get to. But a, uh, a, a truck carrying at least 50 migrants who were found dead in the back. It's unclear where the migrants were from, uh, who was responsible, but this is the statement in San Antonio, Texas of the San Antonio Fire Department uh, talking about what happened to these people who died uh, trying to get into the United States without, uh, without authorization or legal standing. This is clip 12. The patients that we saw were hot to the touch. They were suffering uh, from heat stroke, heat exhaustion. Uh, no signs of water in the vehicle. It was a refrigerated tractor trailer, but there was no uh, visible working AC unit on that rig. Uh, we're not supposed to open up a truck and see stacks of bodies in there. Um, none of us come to work imagining that. It's more than 50 bodies. This is the mayor of San Antonio on those who perished. Uh, listen, clip 18. that we know of, 46 individuals uh, who are no longer with us, who had families, um, who were likely trying to find uh, a better life. And we have 16 folks who are fighting for their lives in the hospital. And uh, the death toll has gone up since that time. Uh, the difficulty is even seeing in the back of the truck the people piled on on one another. It's such a massive disaster. Uh, police uh, chief of San Antonio spoke about uh, uh, pursuing culpable parties for this hideous case. This is clip 19. We have three people in custody. We don't know if they are 
absolutely connected to this or not. Um, this investigation has been turned over to HSI. It is now a federal investigation. Turned it over to them about probably two hours ago. And uh, three people in custody. Well, we will find out more about that. Uh, other horrors and linking to some of the issues of the day, Arizona Senate Republicans have said uh, abortion rights protesters tried to enter the Arizona State Capitol in Phoenix as legislators were gathered on bills and proceedings were halted while the authorities handled the incident. The official Twitter account of the Arizona Senate Republicans wrote that pro-abortion protesters violently tried to enter our building, and uh, but lawmakers were later able to resume their work. Members, staff, visitors evacuated to a secure location. Law enforcement intervened. Sounds like January 6th, doesn't it? Uh, the message they sent, public update, pro-abortion protesters violently tried to enter our building. The um, a video shared uh, to Twitter uh, and then later shown on Arizona's 12 News showed the state senator journeying into a secure situation. A separate video showed uh, tear gas being deployed outside the building. This over abortion law. Uh, troopers deployed gas outside the Senate building after protesters attempted to break the glass. The crowd then moved to the plaza where some uh, monuments were vandalized. Gas was deployed again to disperse the crowd, the uh, Arizona Department of Public Safety said. Uh, Republican State Senator Michelle Ugenti-Rita showed a video to Twitter that showed what appeared to be hundreds of pro-abortion uh, protesters gathered outside the building and at least one person banging on the exterior glass with their fists. Uh, look, this is hideous, isn't it? And and crazed? And look, there's a, um, uh, a very perceptive and I think very important piece that uh, said, my mind isn't made up about abortion. It's by a, a, a writer named Rebecca Sugar. And she says, I'll listen to reason from either side, but it's been in short supply for decades. I think uh, she speaks for a lot of people. We will get to that and more in the long-term aspects of the testimony today and uh, other important developments in this greatest nation on God's green earth.